0: Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come to you, Lord. We thank you once again for the gift of life and that judgment is not set, that we have one more day in the land of the living to run this race, to fight that good fight, to be able to say, I kept that faith. This morning, Father, as we go through your word and the word goes through us, I pray you speak to us. Help us to keep our minds on things that are above. For you said we are seated with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Help us to see everything in the perspective of eternity. For this life will soon pass away and eternity will begin. And help us to be focused on the kingdom that's coming closer and closer by the moment. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. We've been looking at this, basically the series of becoming and being sure with that. Stress on that word be. Last week we looked at be sure that we are not drifting. This morning, going back to that same text that is from Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Okay. Okay. So, it's a rhetorical question, you don't need an answer, because the answer is in the question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Okay, last Saturday we looked at drifting. This Saturday primarily we are not looking at that, but keep in the mind the perils of neglect. We can reject the gospel, we can neglect the gospel, but we cannot escape the gospel, It cannot. No man can escape the gospel. Because one day the gospel will come back to judge us. You can reject it. It's freedom. You can choose. You can neglect it. One thing you cannot is, the Bible says, how shall we escape? The Bible says, no way. No way will any man escape if he rejects or neglects this great gospel. So... We saw at the end of last Saturday, the way is to go behind the wheel and hold on to that anchor, which is his presence. This morning, we will see what we need to do. The the title of today's message is, Be Sure You Are Bearing Fruit. Be sure you are bearing fruit. We turn to John chapter 15 and verses 1 to 7. I am the true wine, and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, and as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the wine, neither can you unless you abide in me. For you. If you look at on chapter 15, this is, this is his final message to his disciples. The most important part which starts from John chapter 13 and finishes by the end of 17. The most important. And 15 is one of the most, the core of his message is in John chapter 15. Okay. This is the antidote to drifting. This is the antidote to, to Neglecting this great salvation, okay. Remember, if you go to Words One, you will see we are back in the garden. We are back in the garden, okay. We are back in the garden. Now the Father is the wine dresser, Jesus is the wine, we are the branches. A different setting altogether, but we are back in the garden. John, uh, sorry, in Genesis chapter fifteen. Life had begun in a garden. The Lord God put man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Okay, that's why we said the perils of neglect. All you have to do for a garden to become a jungle is to live it alone. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do to your house falling literally apart is to do nothing. See, I have a home. Back in Kerala, it's been locked for years, okay? But I believe every week, somebody comes and cleans it. Okay? Every week. Nobody lives there. It's not even given out for rent. But every week, somebody comes in and cleans it. And every couple of years, this year, it was painted again. It's weeded. Grass is cut. Because if you leave it alone, you don't have to do anything the whole place will just fall apart on its own. don't have to do anything. Our life with God falls apart because we neglect. Our marriages fall apart because we neglect. Our homes fall apart because we neglect. Our church life falls apart because we neglect. You don't have to do anything. You just have to neglect it. And many of... Our young men, their vehicles fall apart because they drive it, but they neglect it. Okay. So when you buy your, let's say, a two-wheeler, it comes with a book with the instructions how you should tend and watch over it. Typically the first instructions given to man, tend it and keep it. So this, this book comes with instructions for life, how to tend and watch over it. God says, if you tend and watch over it, you know what? It will save you. It will save you. But this is a great salvation. It's not a simple salvation. The salvation is great because of the price that was paid for it and two, what it can do. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 7, He can save us to the uttermost. Uttermost. That's why this is a great salvation. One, the price. And the effect of this salvation. So the whole thing is Jesus says, Do not neglect. Okay, neglect. Do not neglect to watch. Do not neglect to tend to keep it. So we are back in the garden. And the father is the gardener. Now Jesus is the wine, the tree of life. Remember, there was the tree of life from which we had did not have access. In salvation, we have access to the tree of life. It is Jesus. And we are the branches. Okay. And verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's not enough to be a branch. It's not enough to be a branch. This is a very, very powerful Difficult verses, but true. We cannot be servants of God who only preach to you the, the sweet sounding verses. Okay, we sang a song which is very good. Like, a, God is good. No, we can't. But how do, how many of us doubt God is severe? This comes in the same verse. Consider the goodness of God and the God is severe. No more we doubt it. God is severe. You ask David, he will sing, God is severe. I no more doubt that God is severe. David would sing, both the goodness of God and the severity of God. Okay, and this is a very severe verse. This is not written to unbelievers. This is not written to people outside the kingdom of God. These are, these words are written to the branches of the vine. I have seen many preachers skirt around it and come up with all kind of things not to ruffle the feathers of their congregation, especially the ones who put in big money into the offering bag. Their feathers, you have to be very, very careful. Don't you ruffle it. But Jesus comes and ruffles everybody's feathers. He makes it very clear. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And if you come to verse 6, he explains Further, what happens? verse six, I didn't give it to you right? if anyone does not abide in me, okay, why don't you bear fruit because you're not abiding in the branch. he's cast out as a branch. God does not deny the fact you are a branch. This is the problem with one saved always saved. It's a fundamental see when they use that that um, doctrine, they will pick up only selective verses. But they do not consider the other verses which contradict that. And this is one of it. John chapter 15 verse 2 and verse 15, 6. How do you know you are connected to Jesus? How do you know you are connected to the tree of life? There has to be proof. What is the proof? You bear fruit. And verse 6 says, Those branches though don't, don't abide and therefore do not branch, or do not bear fruit, he is cast out as a branch and what happens? spiritually he withers away. They gather them and they throw them into the fire. Okay, can now he's using a spiritual example. And we know this in real life. We know that a big branch of a green tree, young tree, you cut it, you leave it outside over there. It doesn't dry up immediately. It doesn't dry up immediately. It looks perfectly fine. A day later, two days later, three days later, four days later, first you see the leaves withering off. Come back a month, two months later, you will see the entire thing has dried off. Okay. When a branch has been taken out of Jesus, you don't see the effects immediately. Don't see the effects immediately. You may not be even sometimes able to notice for years because we are not talking about a branch of a tree. We are talking about a life. You may not be even able to see it for years, but it is happening. The person spiritually is withering. Is withering. Spiritually is withering. And you know what? He's bearing no more fruit to God. Okay, he's no more bearing. Okay, fruit to the God. So we have to be very, very careful. Okay, And I do believe, because Jesus, when he said it, it was applicable to the entire church age, 2,000 years. And when Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, For time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Where does judgment begin? It doesn't begin in the world. World, you have natural calamities. The kingdom of God and the house of God, there is no natural calamities. It's only the judgment of God. You know, natural, we are not hit by anything natural. Okay, nothing natural happens to us. Don't give all these things to nature. Okay, it's not mother nature, it is father god. Okay, okay. So what happens when the judgment of god begins in the house of god, branches are being taken off, taken off. And we do not know, but we see slowly doctrines changing. Okay, like we had two uh, uh political head and the spiritual head meeting, the Pope and Biden. And what was this one of the statements made? Uh the Pope said, You can continue having communion though you are for abortion. From the head of the From the head of the Catholic Church. Think about it. From the head of the Catholic Church, for all the years of the Catholic Church, they have always stood against abortion. A Compromise for one man. Does God make compromise for any man? If you believe in a doctrine, and the doctrine is from the word of God, that thou shalt not kill, it stands forever. But do you realize God is exposing from the top All these people, these are without branches or they were never branches in the first place. It doesn't matter what costume they wear. But God is exposing and it's an eye opener to the Catholics. A lot of Catholics will be upset. A lot of devout Catholics who believe the doctrines of the Bible and they will be very upset when they see the top man making a compromise for a big man. Okay, you need to realize the judgment is going on in the house of God. Okay? For a long time, nobody saw it until it was written, Demas loved the present world and has left me. Nobody knew it. But when did he leave? Not the day he left. The branch was cut off many years ago. He was still walking with Dimas, like Judas was still walking with Jesus. But one day, everybody saw, he's not there. Okay? So be very careful about this. Okay? So, on John 5-2, judgment is beginning. What is he doing in the house of God? He's taking away every branch that bear, does not bear fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That is the trials and the testings of our faith. Not the problems of life, which is common to all man, but the trials and the testings of our faith. Okay, why? Because you are bearing fruit. I want you to bear more fruit which will be eternal. There are certain things which are eternal in life. Okay, like patience is eternal. Long suffering is eternal. These are the, what we call the fruit of the spirit. These are all eternal. And none of these fruits will be, fruit will be displayed in our life unless it is proved. Okay, some saints reached heaven without the full manifestation of the fruit, so the souls before God still cry, how long, Lord? You know why? Because they did not go in with the fullness of patience. Fullness of patience. Paul, who is very sure about his crown, is not saying how long. He may be probably telling Jesus a little more, Lord. Let everybody come in. I am willing to wait. Let everybody come in, Lord. As many as possible, Lord. You see, it matters. That's why it is written in the book of Revelation, there were souls in heaven saying, how long? What does it mean? They did not come to the fullness of the fruit which God expected of them. And many will reach that way. That way. So please understand this. Okay. While he's bearing or pruning, it's rather pruning those who are bearing fruit. So one of the signs that you are in the branch and you're bearing fruit is that you're being fruit. So we, we need these signs. We need this proof because even faith has evidence and faith has evidence. Okay. The key words in that portion we read is verse seven. Verse seven is a key words. Okay. If you look at this portion, John chapter 15, especially John chapter 15, you will see the number of times Jesus uses the words, I, me, you, abide. Okay, This is the most repeated words over there. I, me, you, abide. So he says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. Okay? So the first thing Jesus says is, if you abide in me. That's the person. If you abide in me. For a long time, man believed Uh, the sun revolved around the earth. Right? Until... Some scientists, I don't know who it was, Copernicus or Galileo was about Earth being round and Copernicus was the one about Earth actually revolves around the sun. So now in science, we know the Earth revolves around the sun, but the way people live, it's the other way. They still think life revolves around them. A lot of people a lot of people in the in our in our homes in our churches they still believe the old theory that the sun revolves around, so when they come to God also they think that God is there to serve you okay and that's a problem that's the fallen man, the carnal man, the child in the little child in the house, okay revolves around self. Then one day is the rude awakening. The gospel is all about Christ. It's all about God. It's the gospel of Christ. It is not called the gospel of man. It's the gospel of Christ. The entire salvation story is about Christ. If you so the honest is on us. That's why the Bible says, I told you many times, you know, walked with God. Noah walked with God. The honest is not on God to walk with us. The honest is on us to walk with God. If you abide in me, it have been written the other way, if I abide in you. It's not how it is written. It's written, if you abide in me. Okay, the focus is on us. Colossians 1, 18. He he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. He is from the beginning. The firstborn from he is the firstborn from the dead. That in all things, in how many things? All things. He may have the preeminence. Okay. Remember our church was built on the whole Bible, but this was the scripture that was given, that in all things, he may have three eminence. So the simple question is, first thing God says is, if you abide in me, it's your call. Okay? What should occupy? That's what happened to Martha. Jesus is in her house, but she's occupied with other things. He's right there, but she's occupied with other things. When he said, you know what, Mary has done the right thing because she's occupied with me. Occupied with me. As you go through every day, this is the whole thing. Okay. Our core, our center, our occupation should be ultimately be Christ. Christ centered. Okay. Christ centered. Okay. We all have our occupations. Meaning, we, term, we use it in terms of work. We all have occupations. And the problem is when you are occupied with your work, you become a workaholic. The workaholic, You see the list of faith given in Hebrews chapter 11. Work only comes third. Worship comes first. Work comes second. And work comes third. When work becomes one, or your occupation becomes one, then you start worshipping your work. You're occupied. You're occupied. Whatever you're occupied with. It can be a good work, it can be a bad work, it can be a tiring work, it can be a work that hasn't enti- It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So Jesus is talking about the person. What are you occupied with? Because it will, it will make, it will demand those choices that you will make in your workplace or whatever you do. Okay? Whatever you do. No? What do you want me to do? One. How do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That's the first question, no? See, Paul as Saul and as Paul was always occupied with one thing, that was God. So he thought he was serving God with full zeal. He was going to persecute the Christians whom he thought as heretic Jews. Because all the Christians were Jews. And he knows the, what the law talks about blasphemy. So he was occupied with Yahweh. Then Yahweh revealed himself as Jesus. He says, you know what? You got it wrong. You know these guys you're mad at? They are my people. So he says, okay, I was going to kill them. Now I cannot kill them because they are your people. And now I am your man. What do you want me to do? See, he was always occupied with God in whatever he did. His work, the way he worked was defined by the person of God. Only issue with that, he didn't know Yahweh was Jesus. That was the only issue. The minute he knew Yahweh was Jesus, he went out with the gospel with the same seal. And he understood this, this: the tables have been turned completely because under the law, you could kill. But under grace, you die. I'm willing. I'm willing to die. I'm willing to die. Okay. So you need to realize a man who can change that like that in an instant is because his occupation was right. God was the center of his being. That's why he is able to say, according to the law, blameless. I was blameless according to the law. My life was defined by the law given by Yahweh. All my life, I was trying to serve. Yahweh, but without wisdom. And after I met Christ, I have knowledge now. Zeal was always the same. He never changed in his zeal. All he needed was knowledge. And when he had the right knowledge, he's serving God with the right zeal. Okay. So the whole thing is that where does our identity come from? Where does our identity come from? You no, know, a lot, peop- lot of people, a lot of people. Their identity comes from their work. Identity come, And that's why we give our work designation. Our identity comes from our work. Jesus says, Abide in me. Be rooted in me. Stay in me. Okay, Abide in me. Then only the rest comes. Abide in me. We need to ask ourselves. That person, like I said, any relationship in heaven or earth. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. If you do not have a relationship with somebody, you can be very sure you invested nothing in it. It's as simple as that. So God is just not calling us to anything first. The first thing he's calling us says, he says, "Abide in me, abide in me." Okay. Ramba, we saw from the other chapter, uh, the slave does not abide; the son abides forever. You dwell, basically, abide. Like you know, the simple thing is, dwell with me, stay with me. Right, Ramba. That was the first question and the first answer. In the gospel according to John, when John pointed, behold, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, a couple of his disciples followed him. Now they heard and they followed. And many followed Jesus like that. You know, why are you following me? No, Because he said, you you are the one who will forgive me. Will you just forgive me? Because you can take away my sins. Then I can go to heaven. So he looked and said, what do you seek? They were not seeking for forgiveness. They said, where do you stay? He said, come and stay with me. See, and the Bible says they stayed with him. Stayed with him. That's where it begins. God says this is the beginning. Do you want to stay with me? Okay? Do you want to stay? Do you want to dwell with me? Do you want to abide with me? Or do you want to be a visitor? Now when you have trouble, you visit me. When the trouble goes, you go. Next time trouble comes, you come back again. Okay? That's what he's asking about. Abide with me. So if we neglect our relationship with the Savior, we will not escape. We will not escape. How can you escape this great salvation? If you neglect, we will not escape. The answer is, we will not escape. First the person. Focus on the person, and not the problem. The person. Focus on the person, not the promises. No. Focus on the person and not on the solution. The person. The person. The person does many things in our life. But there is a person. Like in a family, your spouse does many things for you. But that's not the purpose. There is a person. You married a person. You birthed children. The children are Person. So I was very happy my brother-in-law is here. And also I was very happy because this is what we always want to hear. See, as pastors and as parents, both as pastor, I have the privilege, we have the privilege of being a parent and a pastor. We always want to know that our children and our sheep do better than us. So he was talking about Vishal. Vishal has three kids, okay, son-in-law. And uh, fourth one is on the way. So he said his son-in-law, "You know what? You are a better father than me, because he spends time individually with all the three children because they are different. One is five, the other is four, and the other is two. And he has daily devotions in the morning with them. Plays no, not no, has." Uh, where he's a worship leader, so he worships. You know what? That's what we want to hear. You, know, you want we want us to learn from our good things and our mistakes. Be a better parent. Be a better parent. Be a better spouse. Be be a better member of the body of Christ. Be better. No, there are two things that is happening. On one side, the world is degrading. On the other side, the church is getting better. Be on the right side. Don't be on the wrong side. A better worker. Better worker. Okay? Jacob was an excellent worker in his father-in-law's house. No wages. His son Joseph was a better worker as a slave. Better than his father. At least Jacob could say I was working for my father-in-law and got two wives in the process. So whatever I earned, it benefited him. It benefited the family. Joseph was working for nobody. There's no benefit there. But he was a better worker than his father. Keep these things in mind. Keep these things in mind. Because it matters in eternity. These things matter. Okay? We do not neglect this salvation. Remember, it's about a person. Okay? So if our life is Christ-centered, it has to be Christ-centered, out of it flows Everything because he should have preeminence in everything. Okay, so when you go through life, there are a lot of people, <coughs> even in church, who are not Christ centered. Like they said, they are work centered, they are pleasure centered. No? Work centered, pleasure centered, like work can give you a lot of pleasure. There are people, no? Yeah. Why is Rahul Dravid how, how old is he? Must be he's 50. I don't know. How old he must be? 45, 50? Yeah, 50. Why did he apply, apply for the post of coach for the Indian team? I mean, what do you want to do? You know what? I, I just, I love, breathe, eat cricket. I love cricket. You know what? I want to be in the middle of it still. I can't play anymore. But can I coach? I, I'm sure he's not doing it for money. Because he doesn't need that money. So there's a lot of pleasure that we derive from certain activities. But the question is yeah. Philippians one twenty one, For me to love is Christ. Yeah. Out of life we get many things, right? One of the things is what is called pleasure or satisfaction. We call it job satisfaction. Paul says, you know what, for me, it's not even satisfaction. My life is Christ. And I, that is loss. Loss is gain. My life is Christ. Let me put it in terms of uh, pleasure. Because we looked at work and after work comes vacation. And we need a vacation. It's good to have vacation because Jesus also took his disciples aside for small vacations. He gave them breaks. It is good. But the problem, have you noticed, generally have noticed with people, that when they take vacation, they leave Christ behind. They don't take him along. They don't take Christ on their vacation. Basically, by the very act, they are saying, you were not my life. You were, you were kind of my employer. You don't want your boss with your vacation. <laughs> the last person you want on your vacation is your boss. Right? You don't want your boss on your vacation. Have you noticed? I've always noticed. One of the things is that when people go on vacations, they don't take Christ along. I know believers who won't even pack their Bible when they are going on vacation. Basically, they are saying, I want a break from God. That's not Paul. Paul says, whenever I go on a vacation, I go with God. God, think about it. (coughs) (coughs) Let me tell you how, because these things matter practically, okay? Like, when we plan vacations, as far as possible, it is Monday to Friday or Saturday. So that we leave on a Monday or a Sunday evening and be back before Sunday. We try to avoid Sunday because we know the Bible says it is the Lord's day. There's something about church. Because church is the only place where God has promised like he gave Jerusalem. When you gather in my name, I'll be there. So that's a simple thing. We are not going to church tomorrow. Or we do not gather just to hear the word. It is a person. There's a person who comes here, the person who makes the whole thing worthwhile. The whole thing worthwhile. So there is this person. Okay. So when you as a child of God, as a believer, make a trip, a pleasure, work, pleasure, both. Okay. Because when you go to work, if you are Christ centered, then Christ is with you. If you are not Christ centered, Christ is not with you. Even though you may be a very good Christian, Christ is not with you. Joseph was Christ-centered. Therefore, the Bible says in his workplace, God was with him. He was thrown into prison. And the Bible says God was with him. That's the key. Now we are talking about vacation. Let me ask you this question. Okay, you were on a vacation. Or you were on, a, let's say, a business trip. You are on a business trip, which is not five days, six days, seven days, eight days. You're going to a new city. Did it factor into your mind? I have to spend a Sunday there. As I book my itinerary, one of the things I'm going to do is search and look for a church where I can go on a Sunday. Forget this online business. That is a COVID uh, attraction. COVID attraction. Okay. Think about the cities you have been. Think about the cities you have been. Think, honestly think. Except for two places, like after I became a believer, except for two places in my life, I cannot think about a single town or city I have been where I don't know a church because you search for a church. It doesn't matter if we you know it or not, who the past, it doesn't matter. The fact is, it is the family of God. And it is the place God visits on a Sunday. He's promised it. Visits on a Sunday. And it doesn't matter. Even if you're all alone, where you're not able to go to church because there is no church, you still have church. I've done it. I've been in places where there was no church to go to. Basically no believing church to go to. So you know what? There was no church at all. A couple of years in my life, there was no church at all. There was no church, no believers. You know what? You had church all alone. That is what is happening on Patmos. John was having church alone because it was the Lord's day. So God said, you know what? I will come and be with you. You need a message? I will give you a message. what happens on a Sunday, you hear preaching, right? I will give you a preaching. I will take you on a tour of heaven. And we have the book of Revelation." Have you ever thought about it, how important it is, these things, for God and therefore for us? No. Think about it. Do you think about church that way? Church as a place, not just the people of God come, that is second, first, God comes. Okay. Or, you were in a church, or you are part of a church, and you have to be away, let us say, for ten days and you have an assigned responsibility in the body of Christ, and you cannot be there on a Sunday, have you assigned your duty to somebody who can be trusted? Like I know in the workplace, that's how it used to happen. When I needed a little, when I was teaching, when I needed a day off, I needed to leave the principal. I, I think I I... Never took leave one day when I was ill, or so I never took leave, and my leave just were we wasted away because I didn't need leave, and because there was no reason to take leave. But if I were to take a leave, the principal would always ask her, "Would you please see that work it out so that somebody takes your classes?" That was accepted in the world. And God is saying. Did you see somebody took your duty? I know, no, no, because you know what? I have a responsibility in the house of God. I'm going to be a... It may be a small thing as usher. Not turning the camera. Or taking the offer. It doesn't matter what it is. What it is. Okay. It is not the profile of the job. The fact that you are serving God and you are Christ-centered. Christ-centered. This is how you look at it. Am I Christ-centered or not? Am I neglecting my relationship with God and my service in the kingdom? Because he he was faithful in little things. We do not realize in eternity how big these things will be. These little things are very big things in the eyes of God. Okay? If you have not, especially in the Christian West, once upon a time, Christian West, almost the big bang sports events are on a Sunday. Have you noticed? They're on a Sunday. Big ones. The finale will be on a Sunday. And pastors know they have two choices. Either adjust the service according to the sports timing or preach to a half empty congregation. Half-empty congregation. It's just truth. The idol of sports and entertainment. How it takes over. Think about it. Okay. That's what God is saying. You know what is happening. You are neglecting this great salvation. Great, great, great salvation. Like I have told you before, one of the best lessons I have learned in this old age is, if you want to watch sports, watch games that are over. You know the result. So you can pick and choose the best games. You know the result. No tension, no BP rising, nothing just see and they will give you a capsule of 1 hour 50 or 3 hour match or 6 hour match, they will put you in 15 minutes, watch the interesting parts, enjoy yourself, go back to your work don't waste your time don't waste your health, don't waste your money I wish I had learned this earlier bit all my nails off got mad with my children because India was losing, they had nothing to do with it (laughs) So, for young people, lessons from experienced people. Don't waste your time on all this. Sachin is, though India says Sachin is God, he is not God. Messi is not God. There is only one God. Don't even use the term God of cricket, God of music. No, you are a pagan. Because in pagan religions, you are gods for everything. See, sports was not big in Hinduism. Others would have made a god for that too. It's interesting, right? You don't have a god for sports. Everything else you have a god. No sportsman spirit in that religion. (laughs) Think. Think. okay? Seriously, we need to realize how do we neglect these things? how do we neglect these things little by little how do we neglect these things 1 John 2:15 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him okay now when we hear here we have heard these words we memorized it and conveniently forgot it okay so what does this mean to love the world very simple The things of the world. Things of the world. Okay? World is associated with things. If there are no things in the world, people will die of boredom. Right? World is associated with things. The world system is associated with things. God created the earth. He made this beautiful earth. He planted the trees with fruit of every kind. It doesn't say God manufactured anything. See, we have a manufacturing industry. That's why it's called things. Things. Look, chapter 14. 16 to 20. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. He's, he's always teaching through parables. He's always keeping our our mind at the end. Mind at the end. You know there's a day coming. It can be a day of sorrow, grief, or great excitement. Send his servants at supper time to say to those who are invited, come for all things are now ready. It's interesting. He sent the servants only at supper time. That's why people say, Jesus says, watch and pray. Be ready at all times. Because you don't know when it is supper time. But the Lord's banquet, you never know. When the invitation will come. Come for all things are now ready. So there are things on that side. There are things on this side. You have a choice, which things will you love? But they all with one accord. See, there is one accord that comes. Okay. It's good to be in one accord in the church towards the things of God. But there are one accord with the things which are not of God. With one accord, began to make excuses. The first said, "I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to me be exc- very polite." I hope the child is listening. I got a very polite excuse today. Papu, why I can't come to church today. Very nice excuse. I'm not condemning anybody. (laughs) It is not my job. Okay. The funny thing is I read this and the text came and it came (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to upset the poor thing They okay, the house, sweetheart. I didn't want to upset, let them grow in their convictions, in their strength. Okay, we have to grow in all this. First said, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me very excused, very polite. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me. Excused. Still, Arunachal said, "I married a wife. Thank you, Lord." <laughs> 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 Therefore, <why> I cannot. Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> verse eighteen. Look at verse eighteen. With one accord, they all began to make excuses. That's the problem. They started making excuses. So the question is, what is our excuse for neglecting such a great salvation? You know what is the salvation? What is the sum total of salvation or the end of this salvation is an invitation to this grand wedding feast of the Lamb of God. That is the salvation, the end, the finale. Okay. Finale. And we are preparing for that wedding feast. You cannot enter there without wedding garments. And the Bible says, we make our own wedding garments. On life on earth, we are making our own wedding garments. We are making our wedding. We are given the first imputed righteousness of God. After that, we are making our wedding garments. And everybody made with one accord excuses. The Bible asks, what is your excuse? What is your excuse? Look at another portion, kind of similar. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, See, everywhere is using parables so that we understand the deep lesson. The kingdom heaven is like a certain king who arranged marriage for his son. So there is supper. Here we understand the supper was the marriage of his son, of a king for his son. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. We were all invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. They were not willing to come. Verse 4. Again he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, see I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed. All things are ready. Come to the wedding. Look at verse 5. They made light Light of it and went their ways. Do we make light of this great salvation? Other side, they made excuses. Here they they took it very lightly. That's what the Bible says. How can we escape such a great salvation if we neglect? Neglect. They made excuses. Here they made very light of it. Do we make light of the things of God? I'm not primarily talking about coming to church. Don't mistake me. It's an important part of our life. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the sum total of our life where Christ is the center. Like we have, like, you know, a simple thing which we can talk about is the, the wheel of a cart. You have the center and then you have the spokes and every spoke is connected to the center. The center itself holds it all together. And that center matters. That is Christ. Christ. Understand the greatness of the salvation. So how can we escape? We can reject it. We can neglect it. But we cannot escape it. That's Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for men to die once. It's not told whether you will die young or old. You will die. Some young, some old. Some very young. Some very old. But everyone will die. And then eternity begins. Judgment begins yesterday. Uh, This morning, actually, my brother-in-law was showing me a picture of a gentleman, a family, uh, whom I have met in their church in Dubai. And they're from Hyderabad, and uh, he passed away a couple of days back. So he was showing me the picture of that gentleman. He said, "Do you remember John?" He passed away. I was looking at him. The picture was there in the home, uh, the meeting, not the funeral service, the service before that. Pastor Wilson playing the guitar, singing, and the gentleman was in his coffin. You know, one of the one of the thoughts that actually struck me in the morning. You know what the fact? All of us will be in a box one day and others will be looking at us. All of us will be in a box one day. All of us. And others will be looking at us. But we won't be looking at them. We won't be looking at them. We'll be awaiting judgment. Hmm. It's absolutely clear. It is appointed. You cannot miss that appointment. The rap people who are caught in rapture may miss the appointment with death but they will not miss the appointment with judgment. That appointment nobody, even the last lot who goes will not miss. Everybody has to miss. Has to be there. So the question is that salvation is one I will not have to go through the wrath of God. And after that, I'm preparing for that day. And the Bible says, if you neglect that great salvation, how can you escape it? Okay. So Jesus says, you know what? You know, how do you, how do you not neglect? Abide in me. Stay in me. Stay with me. Stay in me. Stay with me. Second thing, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, that was part 1. Second, my words abide in you. Then God moves from the person to the words. He says, you cannot abide in me unless my words abide in you. Okay? All, especially all married people, because that's the most closest intimate relationship on planet Earth. If your husband or your wife said something unsavory, unpalatable to you this morning, those words are abiding in you. Isn't it true? If he or she said something very nice, those words are also abiding in you. Do you understand what Jesus says? My words abide in you. Why did he put the person first? Because if the person does not matter, the words don't matter. Why people don't read their Bible is because the person does not matter. Person don't matter. The person matters. Person matters. The words matter. The person does not matter. The words don't matter. Okay. I don't know about you, you guys. Old mm. days before email came. First came male, then came female, then came email. <laughs> but in between, there was something called postal services. Okay. And one of my jobs as a little child was to go to the post office. Okay. To the post office. And you have, in, in that country where I grew up, no? You had all these little, little, little boxes. Okay, you had this thing with different offices, organization. And my job was to go pick the letters for the school where dad was principal. Okay, you go to your slot. And while walking, class 3 student, class 4 student, class 5 student, you're going through the letters. And you will see that it's a one letter from home, from the brethren who are here. And I was there. And you keep it at the top. And you take a whole bunch of letters to your dad. So... First thing they look at me is whether there are letters in my hand. And the reaction is different. (coughs) Dad is there, mother is there. Dad will take all the official letters, which is from the headquarters. And mother will take the personal letter. Letters matter, because the person matters. I can still remember It's interesting about letters because we talked about words and letters and I can still remember. I was in class five. My dad was teaching and suddenly from the window my mother came in my language. He's scolding my dad. My dad said, what happened? He said, last month you wrote two letters. One was to your bank manager, one was to your mother. You sent the bank (laughs) (laughs) manager to To your mother and your mother (laughs) said, The reports have come <laughs> Think about what joy is the bad manager going to get from reading a man's letter to his mother. Because the person does not matter to him. Okay? Do you understand? If he doesn't matter, his words don't matter. If I don't abide in him, if I don't don't abide in him, I will not abide in his words. Okay, The thing is that for a real example, (coughs) an example illustration, we all buy or have bought life insurance. Now, we did not buy life insurance because we wanted to die. <laughs> it is because somebody pestered us and to make some savings on your income tax, you bought this life insurance, okay? So, when you buy a life insurance, you first don't go buy a life insurance, then go invest in a coffin. You don't do that. <laughs> you do that? A lot of people's salvation is just like life insurance, Only like life insurance. When they think about salvation, they think about life insurance. If I die, I don't want to go to the wrong place. But salvation is connected with a person. The problem with the life if you if attitude is with the life insurance, then your pastor is the agent who sold it (laughs) to you. And you get irritated when you see a pastor because he reminds you of the agent who comes to collect the premium. (laughs) See, that is how we understand attitudes. What is your attitude? Why are you irritated? Because for you salvation was only an insurance policy. It was not connected with a person. That's what Jesus is saying. If you abide with me and my words Abide in you. Abide, dwell, reside, live. Or the other word, tabernacle. Joshua eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Simple. How can it not depart from my mouth? God says, by meditating on it day and night. And two, by doing everything that is written in it it will not depart from your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart and your mind. If your heart and mind is occupied with other things, that is what will come. I am not saying you should not be occupied with the issues of life. But, like David, you make your list 1, 2, 3, 4, and at the end, but, God says so. But, God says so. So you are, you are not an escapist. You are not escaping the issues of life. You are not like a the Indian sadhu who is escaping life. You are totally involved with life. You are not like the mistakes the, the believers made in the Middle Ages of becoming monks and living in monasteries. No, Jesus did not. He said one thing, you are not of the world, but I am sending you into the world to be absolutely involved in the world as my witness. So you are going to face all these things, but I am with you. I am with you. I'll be with you till the end. So they were given two things. One, they were given the promise of the person. Two, the promise of his word. And three, deal with these issues. Meditate upon my word day and night. That's how you abide in it. Meditate meaning meditation is different. You think. You think. Think a problem, think a solution in the word of God. Think a problem, cannot escape problems until we escape out of this body. There is no escaping of problems. Think a problem, think a solution. Think a problem, think a solution. You know what? Solutions are there in the word of God. There in the word of God. You meditate upon the word of God. You meditate on the promises of Him who is faithful. And you know what? That's how you stay at peace. Abide. That's how the word abides in you. Word abide in you. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of this scornful That's the no thing. Don't do this. But this other side is important. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates Day and night. Day and night. He's focused. He's abiding in the Word of God. And how easy it is for us. How easy it is for us today's time. You can, except when you are actually sleeping or fall asleep, you can be in the Word in the background. Especially now that you're working from home also. Of course, office, you may not be able to do it, but you're working from home and the word is always there before you. You can do anything. I mean, the best thing is technology that has given. Put your headphones on and you can do anything. Anything. Every labor today under the sun is profitable and not vanity. For Solomon, it was vanity. For it is profitable. There's nothing that you can do. Do you know that you have speakers today which is waterproof? I mean you can take it into your shower and I have one. It's there in the shower when I'm showering playing a message because the water doesn't get into it. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that need to be wasted because I told you the most precious commodity we have now is time. The Bible talks about time. Walk circumspectly, walk carefully. Redeem the time because the age, the days are evil how blessed generation we are compared to the generations that lived before us. 6,000 years, almost 5,400 years of Jews and Christians. Most of them did not even own a single copy of the word of God. Most of them for almost 5,400 years did not own a copy. They did not have. And here we are technology possible. And God says, abide in my word. Next verse. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I've hidden in my heart. I've hidden it in my heart. It's not just in my, it's we are not talking about even the mind as such. The core of your being. The Bible uses the heart as the core of your being. I've hidden it in the core of my being, in my heart. I've given it the most exalted position in my life. It is hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a lamp to my feet. It lightens my path. Lightens my feet. Every step when I take, you know what? Your word is lighting it. You know, we don't actually walk with our eyes. We walk with our mind. We don't walk with... The eyes Is secondary. Primary is mind. If you hadn't decided with your mind yesterday or today, you are coming here. Your eyes would not have looked for the path. First goes your mind. Then goes your feet. And the Bible says, you know (coughs) what? For the believer... His path is lighted by the word of God. His choices are made by the word of God. It is decided by your word. Your word. See, the focus is you. Your word. You, the person, and your words. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what it means to abide. My words abide in you. First Timothy chapter 4. Paul to Timothy. Meditate on these things. It's written. In a letter. Young man. This young man always has to be shaken. <laughs> Beloved son, true son, but sleepy son. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That all your progress may be evident to all. So that you know what? You're living in a community of believers they should be seeing you are bearing fruit. That's a sign of life. Evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. There is progress. Abide. Stay. Continue. Think about it. Think. Now for a second. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to give me an answer. How many Christians do you know who can in very simple words in five minutes give you the way of salvation? The most important question in life. How many Christians do you know? Simple question. Two. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know the scriptures to back it up with? If you were called now and say, I'll give you five minutes, give a simple gospel, how can you be saved? Do you know your scripture? Or a simple thing, a little more deeper. The necessity of the virgin birth. A virgin shall bear a child. The necessity of virgin birth. Can you explain? Because now we have been in the kingdom for so long. Can you explain why Christ has to be born of a virgin? Think. Simple questions. Why? Why? Only faith will please God, and nothing else. Nothing can please God except faith. or the importance of Romans one seventeen Romans one seventeen. Why is it so important? Because of this scripture, we are all sitting here, Protestants. The entire Protestant movement is built on this one verse. Can we explain this? One verse. (coughs) Martin Luther read this and he went back, unable to sleep. He says, there is something here. Entire doctrine of the Catholic Church doesn't agree with the word of God. Because in the gospel is revealed something. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith at his return. The just shall live by faith. Can we explain this? You are a protestant? We are all protestants. Can you explain this? Because this is the entire, half the Christian world is built on this. But most Christians who are protestants don't know this. Simple questions. God is asking. Mm. Or the biggest trauma mankind goes through is what is called condemnation. The Bible says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Simple. Can you explain why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? These a fundamental. We have two doctors in our midst. Ask them, will they prescribe a medicine to somebody unless they know what the medicine will do for the person? They won't. They won't. Think about it. They won't do it. They look at the sickness. They look at the symptoms. They make a diagnosis. Then they prescribe a medicine. And God is asking. Somebody comes to you going under condemnation. Would you be able to help them? It's a believer in the Lord for many years. Or another common thing. Somebody comes to you and says, "Aka Anna, would you please pray for me? Would you be able to show from scripture why Jesus heals? Why healing is a part of your salvation? Would you be able to show scriptures? Where it begins from? Think, this is the issue. This is the issue. Because we are neglecting this great salvation. Great salvation. Why is this important? Because Jesus says, he who abides in me bears fruit. This is the fruit. This is the fruit. The fruit is not for you. The fruit is for somebody else. It's not for you. I'm not preaching to me that I already finished. I did my early devotions early in the morning. I finished for myself. Now I'm preaching to others. I'm preaching to others. All of us have to bear fruit. But we cannot bear fruit unless we are abiding in the word of God. Abide in him. Abide in the word. No. And the weakness of Christianity in the 20th, 21st century is, you know what? The weakness of scripture. So my simple question to you is if you do not know the word which introduces Christ to us and you claim You know Christ. Is the Christ you know the Christ of the scriptures? That's how heresy has taken place around the world. Top down it is going. Churches are falling apart. How did churches fall apart? It's because they did not know scriptures. Therefore they created a Christ who was not part of scriptures. Or the Christ that is not revealed through scriptures. Gay marriages, gay bishops, gay clergy... Every junk is happening in the Christian world. How did it happen? Because they did not know the scriptures. And two, they did not abide in the scriptures. They therefore neglected this great salvation. You know what the Bible says? You will not escape. You will not escape. How could the head of the biggest church in the world, so-called world in the church, tell a man, doesn't matter who it is, you are primarily a shepherd. As a shepherd, somebody is coming to you, what is prominent is he should not lose his soul. And you are telling him, it is okay if you sanction abortion. Because at the top, when he signs that executive order, he is sanctioning the death of many, many babies, millions of babies. And telling the man, it is okay. You can continue with the communion. Because in the Catholic Church, communion means you are part of Christ and part of the body. Mm -hmm. But you can kill How did people fall away like that? You know why? Because they did not know their scriptures. And they did not abide in the scriptures. And we know we make the same mistakes. 1 Peter 3.15. I didn't give it. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Can you give a reason for the hope that is in you? How can you do it? Only when you have first sanctified God in your hearts. How do you sanctify God in your hearts? The Bible says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. If the word does not sanctify us, we cannot be sanctified. The tool that has given to us, like let us say, uh, tomorrow is Sunday, probably tomorrow evening, the kids will come to clean the church, church office. Now if you notice, this room and the other rooms are cleaned differently. In this room, because of the carpet, they will use the vacuum cleaner. On the other rooms, they will use the mop, the water and the solution. What are they doing? They're basically cleaning. They're sanctifying this place. So you cannot sanctify something unless you have the appropriate materials and the tools to sanctify. God says, you know what I've given you? I've given you my word. I've given you my blood. I've given you my spirit. But The problem is, neither the spirit nor the blood will work without the word. The word comes first. Not the blood. Not the spirit. The word comes first. The beginning was the word, not the blood. The blood came 4,000 years later. He became man in the flesh and dwelt among us. Before that, he had no blood. But he was always the living word. So first comes the word. Without the word, the blood doesn't work. Because faith comes from the word. Without the word, the spirit won't move. So can we give a reason? With meekness and fear. Why? Because you are also escaping great salvation. Which you didn't do. With fear and trembling. Why? With meekness and fear. Because your salvation also was entirely based on somebody else's work. It was a great work and we have to continue walking in that road. So you are also expiring, not out of pride. But out of meekness and out of fear. Because you know the kindness of God, you also know the severity of God. Severity of God. That's what Bible is talking about. Can we give a reason? Simple reason. Because by now we should be able to, any category of people, let me ask you a simple question. If Jehovah's witness comes. Would you be able to? They'll meet you anyway. Once I was at Bangalore airport, I think, at the airport. At the, two Jehovah's Witnesses came. And they were all in suit, everything. Five minutes later, they said, thank you, sir, we are leaving. <laughs> what are we able to say? Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian science. All kinds of people are there. They will come to you with meekness and with fear. When they pick up the Bible and say, would you be able to pick up the Bible and say, but it is also written? For a good group, very good group, called the Oneness Pentecostals. They're Very good. Very good, powerful people. Would you be able to tell them? I believe in almost everything you say, but not in this one doctrine which defines you. We have oneness doctrine people visiting us. They come every year. They are good people, powerful people. But I don't believe their doctrine. That one doctrine I don't believe would be able to refute it. Because you are going to meet all categories of people who will come to shake you. What happens? You are not able to abide in the faith. Abide. His words have to abide in us. And the Bible says, you know what? Always be ready. Not sometimes. Only when you are prepared. No, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone. Not some people. Anyone. Everyone. Always everyone. Stresses on these two things. Always everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. That is if you have hope. If you have hope, should be able to give a reason so the question is does Christ abide in you does his words abide in you and all about the words we know one thing the father who judges everyone without partiality then Jesus says the father will judge no one he handed over all judgment to me then he tells about us on that day when you come before me I will not judge you the words you have heard will judge you the words, the words. No, we do not know the The seriousness of judgment is right before our eyes. We saw India's number one superstar, son, in jail. His father can hire any lawyer in the world. He's got that kind of money. And that's why he uh, hired the previous attorney general. Mukul Rasogi was this thing. First, first court denied bail. Second bail. Yesterday he got bail. Just to get his son out of prison. 21 year old boy. Do you see what judgment is? On that day of judgment, what will speak for you is the words that are abided in you. What will speak for me on that day? What will speak for you on that day? The words that I believe, the words I confess, the words I obeyed will speak for me. I will be acquitted or I will lose my crowns based on those words. Think about it. Bombay High Court gives jail, jail, bail. They are rushing. They have to go to the sessions court. Get the paperwork done. Javi Chawla stands at Surety. Everything is done. Rushing with the papers. Traffic jam. You have to reach the prison by 5.30. 5.30. One more night in the jail. Who is this person? Does his father have influence? Yes. Does his father have money? Yes. Could he get his son out of jail yesterday? No. What about us on that day? Standing before God. And the word of God that we heard, including what we are hearing today, will stand for us or against us. That's what God is talking about. This is not to condemn to eternal. No, no, it's talking about standing before the Bhima seat of Christ. Throne of Christ to receive. And God says, you know what? Let my word abide in you. Take root in you. Let it be the center of how you think. Let me be the center of how you feel and how you make your decisions. Let my word be how you think about life and situations. The person and his words. And John 15 verse 7. Third thing. If you abide in me, one. If my words abide in you, two. You will ask. what you desire. You see, when God is absolutely sure we are abiding in him and two his words is abiding in us, he says you can ask whatever you want. God is smart. Okay, please understand. He didn't say, you ask whatever you desire, I will give it to you. Then you come and abide in me. He didn't say that. That is children. Give it to me, then I will do. But it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. First you abide in me. Two, you abide in my word, then whatever you ask, whatever you decide it shall be done for you. You shall ask. You will ask. You know, God says, When you abide in me and you abide in my words, you will have to ask. Because your life's trajectory completely changes and you will realize you can't do anything without asking. We are able to do a lot of things without asking because His words are not abiding in us. God says, when you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask. The thing is that He says, what is He talking about? The third thing. The person, His words, third, is talking about our Prayer life. Our prayer life again will define who we are. Jeremiah 33-3. Call to me and I will answer you. Show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. Just ask me. Call me. I will answer you. Matthew 7-7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. This is all in the prayer closet. Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If it doesn't work with one, work with two. Work with two. It's an interesting episode in the book of Acts where there is a uh, conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, over John Mark. Paul's take is that you can't take this guy on mission because he left us halfway in another mission. They had such an unsavory argument. Bible records it all. They left in their different ways. And after that, let me ask you, who is with Paul? Silas. Okay? Let me ask you this question. Instead of Silas, he had taken Mark. Next thing you hear is in Philippi they are beaten and thrown into prison. How would a Mark reacted? A fellow who left halfway in a mission when he's beaten, how would he react? And here is Silas and Paul, beaten, chained and worshipping and praying. If it doesn't work with one, work with two. Prayer. ravenhill who said leonard ravenhill is so one praying man with god is a majority you know so my words abide in you you abide in me my word abide in you <clears throat> and the third thing god says you ask your prayer life your prayer life will entirely change your prayer life will define you james chapter 5 verse 17 and 18 we know this Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half, three years and six months. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. We know it well. But when the Holy Spirit through Apostle James is describing the life of Elijah in two verses, he uses two words in both verses. He prayed, he prayed, that's all. But do you know about Elijah? He prayed. What happened later is irrelevant. That's God did. What do you know about that man? He prayed. He prayed. Two words. Write Elijah's history in two words. He prayed. Write our history in two words. We slept. Bide in me. Bide in my word. And ask. Ask. He prayed. You shall? Ask. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Same John puts it all together. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. You are in him. You are abiding in him. If we ask anything according to his will, his word abides in us. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Did you see the difference? There it was a theory lesson. Here it has become his life. Person, his word, he defines his will for me, and prayer, we receive it. Your desire has changed. In the island of Patmos, John, are you praying for release? No. Praying for release. And everything has changed. You know why? Because when God is abiding in us and His words are abiding in us, His prayer life has changed. Then John 15 and verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will be You will be my disciples. It's a loaded Mm. verse, okay? By this, by what? By this. By bearing much fruit. How is God glorified? How can we glorify? We can please God by faith, one. We can glorify God by other things. Pleasing God is one thing. Glorifying God is one thing. Two different things. We can glorify. My father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. Ask this question. What is the purpose of our life? To bring God glory. Is that the purpose of our life? John 17 verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. The question is. Yeah, children, children. Leave her alone later. From okay? <laughs> <laughs> the mother to this thing. I know all of you. <laughs> you can't, you can't, children can't escape temptation. They have a chocolate and how long do you, he, he, <laughs> she's wondering, when will grandpa finish preaching so I can put it into my, you know. She believes in Mark Twain. The only thing I cannot escape, he said, is tempta- resist, is temptation. <laughs> okay. so don't worry. Children are children. Deal with them as children. Okay. So, how did Jesus? The simple thing is that I have glorified you. Just saying, I have glorified you by finishing the work. We have to finish our work. And when we finish our work, we may not receive the result. Don't look at the result. Paul plants, Apollos waters, God gives the increase. Okay, The increase is in God's hands. When Jesus died on the cross, there was nothing. But he finished his work. For 2,000 years, he is bringing glory to his father. All of eternity will bring glory to his walker because he finished his work. If he had not finished his work, he would have brought no glory to his father. Okay. Paul finished his work. When he's finished his work, there seems to be nothing happening. Everything seems to be lost. But because he finished his work for the past 2,000 years, the church is bringing forth glory to the Father. Get fundamentals right. Okay? Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continuously goeth forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Does that mean it happens at that same lifetime? Not necessarily. For many many of the saints, they saw their harvest only after they died. And to see the sheaves coming in. Sheaves coming in. Paul must have never even imagined the harvest he would bring into the kingdom of God, it is not just people it's it is nations he never would have dreamt this is what is going to happen Proverbs 11 verse 30 the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life he who wins souls is wise wins souls it is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit you glorify the Father by bearing much fruit. Daniel 12 verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Who are those who are wise? Those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now please understand this. The kingdom of God on earth, the church, is like an army. The army is like a whole chain. It's like a supply chain. Like I said, Indian Army is over 1.5 million or more. We don't know the actual number. The actual number of people, soldiers, which is called infantry, the ones who fight is around 4 or 5 lakhs. Though everyone can fight if needed, the actual ones who fight is only one third. So what are the other two thirds doing? It's part of the supply chain. Okay. so church has to see that else there's an entire behind me standing behind the pulpit there's an entire supply chain which makes it possible and everyone has to know their part and do their part when everyone knows their part and is faithful to their part you know what you are bringing glory to the father by the fruit that bears okay Jesus is the head. It is not just the head that finished the race. It is the entire body. Okay, like we have used this illustration in 100 meter dash. If you have noticed, they finish head first. But when the head crosses the line, the whole person has one. So Jesus crossed the line. When Jesus crossed the line. Everybody who is abiding in him till the end crosses the line. Everybody. Everybody. So everybody has their own part. They need to know their part. And when they are faithful to it, consistently in it, you know what they are, they are bringing glory to God. It's not that everybody preaches. Very few preach. But everybody should know what is my part in the body. And that part, I will give it my everything. This is what the Father has called me to do. And some of the parts are not visible. Paul uses that in Corinthians 12. He says, the parts of your body, which are very important, are not even seen. They're very important. Some of the parts that are seen are not so important. We see that, if I can never can pronounce his name. He's a very good preacher now. He has no hands or no feet. Right? Nick, yeah, Nick, and the second name is uh very Scandinavian or yeah, yeah. Nick, Rama Nick, okay. He has no hands and no feet. But it's functioning well. We look at our hands and our feet and we think these are very important. God says, No, your heart is very important. Can I take your heart out? But who has seen their heart? Nobody has seen their heart. So, in the same way, it is not visibility, it is efficiency. Are you efficient? to what God has called you nobody may be seeing you like nobody sees their own heart but because you don't see your heart don't you may make, put makeup on your heart don't tap your heart don't talk to your heart the heart doesn't stop working right? you clip your nails you polish your nails you do all things your nails when did you clip your heart last? did you think about your heart? no you don't think about your heart is the heart upset? Not and God is saying, some parts are not visible. It will be only visible on that day. But if you are one of those parts who are not visible, will never be recognized. Will you be faithful to what you are being called? Will be. You will bear much fruit. Because visibility is a big thing in the world. Big thing in this world. Huge thing. That's why all the social media really, really explodes. That's why Facebook became meta. It changed its name. More confusion. Think about it. Why is people on the social media? It is for interaction is one thing. But that's not the reason people are in social media. Visibility is so important. And that is what you are sold out in the world. Oh, your company needs visibility. Get all these emails on the email that is on our website, sir. We can see, give it to you, and you will have more visibility. Your web page needs more visibility. Your YouTube page needs more visibility. Your Facebook page made more visibility. They are trying to sell it to us. John the Baptist had no visibility. <laughs> And Jesus said, "Why did you go to the desert to see? Think about it. Because one of the reasons people are not faithful in serving God is because they take the pattern of the world. If you are not, it's it's like little children. And children need to be, if they are not encouraged. Like, we have our children, our little Siri, my gosh, if you compliment her, you have to see the effort she puts into her work. Little children are there, you tell them you are the best to this thing in the world, oh, they will preen, they will do twice the amount. But if that is the only way you will serve in the kingdom of God, that's okay with children. Okay. Then, you are a child. You know what God first told Paul? What waits for you in every city? Encouragement. Commendation. Medals. He said, every place beatings are waiting for you. There was one man in the Bible who knew beforehand what was coming. And he's able to say at the end of his life, Agrippa, I never turned back from that heavenly vision. We say heavenly vision. Yeah, earthly vision. I didn't talk to you. There was an earthly part of it. That is the thing. Are we faithful? Can we bring the Father great glory? Go back to John 15 and verse 8. By this my Father is glorified. By this my father is glorified. That you bear much? And look at the other, second part. It is not shall, it is not maybe, it is will. So you will be my... How do you know you are a disciple? Because you are bearing much fruit for the glory of the father. We need evidence, right? We need proof. We need proof. Glory is a big thing. We have to glorify our Father. See, so the book of Romans is an incredibly logical treatise on how God works. 11 chapters, first 11 chapters and 12 is in light of all that you have heard your appropriate response should be a surrender of everything. When the downfall of man is put across theologically in Romans 1 and verse 21, it is not by what you did. It is by what you did not do. Although they knew God, what did they not do? They did not glorify him. By not glorifying God is the first step to the downward spiral of man, whether he is in the church or he is in the world. Did you glorify God today? Did you thank God today? The first two things. Did not glorify. Did not thank. That's how our day goes down. Every day we begin our day. You want to go up? You begin by glorifying God and thanking God. You don't do. It is the first two things that is mentioned that leads to the rest. And the rest is terrible. Four times God handed them over. God handed them over. God Handed them over. You don't want God to hand you over. What do you need to do? Glorify God and be grateful. And finally, you know about Ephraim, he says, leave Eph- Ephraim alone. There are two things you don't, there are few things you don't want to hear from God about you. God handed you over. And second, God left you alone. Leave him alone! He has joined with idols. But do you know where it all starts? We look at the end result. That's not where it starts. It starts by a very simple thing. They did not glorify God. And they were not grateful. And what is the hallmark of a disciple? He bears much fruit and brings glory to the Father. And Jesus said, Father, I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me. You brought glory. And think about even as a simple employee of any company you work, any company you work, forget Kingdom of God. Though you are a kingdom person in the secular world. I worked twice in the secular world. One of the things which I did when I was in Orion Longman, one of the things by 430, five years a time, people left at seven and four thirty my desk was clear. Every transcript, manuscript that had come have gone through it for that day clean, read, everything over. You know why? Because when my God looks down from heaven, I bring glory by saying to the employer, today's work is done. And when you're taught, exams are in December. By November, portion is over. Revision begins. You finish your work. You have to finish your work. Every day we have an appointed work. We have appointed work. We finish. We finish our work. Our tray is clean. We have nothing pending for tomorrow. It's done. It is done. And Jesus did not keep anything pending. Paul will say, if there is anything pending, I will share in his sufferings and finish it off. Anything he did not suffer, I am willing to suffer in his place. We bring glory to God. And grace is given for that. Grace is given for that. We have to get these pictures in. You know why? We need to be very sure, very sure, you know what? I'm abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. That's a proof of discipleship. I think I'll stop there, because the next one, 15, says, again to abide. You know what it says? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. told you that. John 15, these are all the last words. I always say, listen to the last words of a man. Okay, Paul's letter to Timothy, 2nd Timothy, final words. The sum total of his ministry experience is those. Jesus' final words. First thing he says, as the Father loved me, how did I love you? How did I love you? Do you know how I loved you? As the Father. I am telling you one thing abide in my person abide in my words abide in my love abide in my love so the question is Lord how do I abide in your love Old Testament, New Testament same thing if you obey my commandments you abide in my love simple for children all the children sitting here if you want to abide in your parents love obey their commands simple If you do what they tell you to do, you will have no fear in your hearts. You know, I am living in the love, approval of my parents. It's as simple as that. What is happening at home is what God says. You want to abide? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. It's not just, you see, this is continuous. He says, I am still abiding in my father's love. You know why? Because I always obey his commandments. It's a very, very powerful chapter. Go through it with this fine tooth comb. Line by line by line. Meditate on it. Okay? Meditate on. It. Just meditate on John 50. You know, you say, you know what Lord? I want to abide. The son abides in the house forever. I will not neglect this great salvation. Lord, I will not neglect this great salvation. I want to abide in you, the person. I want to abide in your word. I want to bear much fruit. I want to glorify you. I want to finish my work. And Lord, teach me, simply. One, one day when I finish, I want to finish my work. How do I finish my work? By learning to finish my work today. Paul is not sitting in prison and thinking, Ayo, before I left Ephesus, I forgot to finish this much. Ayah Thessalonians, I forgot to teach them this. That's not what he says. He says, if it's a church, I'm going. You won't see me again. They wept, they cried, they were so upset. He said, you won't see me again. You know, you won't see me again. Next time you hear about me, I'll be dead. But you know what? I have nobody's blood on my hands. I've finished. I've given you the entire gospel. See, when he leaves a church, he has taught them all. He finished his work. Finished his work. It's a simple principle. Simple principle. of oh, when you... know One thing I like about learned from my wife, which men don't do. My wife will never leave one spoon in the sink at night. Men, if you notice, when they're bachelor, the sink is always full and they go to sleep. She will not. okay, She will not allow it to happen, so I learned from her because I am the sink man. Clean everything, clean everything, and then spray everything. The reason is cockroaches will come. That's the reason. But the fact is that when you go to bed, all your work is complete. You don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, now I have to go first to wash the dishes. You don't wake up like that. You go to a clean kitchen. How do you wake up? Oh, I didn't finish yesterday what God told me to do. It was work was done. Work was done. I finished the work, you No. Know? Simple things, children, you have to teach them. Finish your homework and then go to sleep. Can I wake up in the morning and do no? No, today. (laughs) Today. Hmm? Did teacher give you work for two days or one day? One day, then finish it in one day. Why do you have to do it in two days? Okay. God gave his only son the most important, the most difficult work and said, son, you will finish it in three and a half years. That's all the time you have. Just three and a half years. I will give you a bunch of no goodies. (laughs) One will betray you. Eleven will flee from you. But that's all I will give you. You have to train them in three and a half years. The entire salvation of the world is upon their shoulders. You do your work and you do a good teacher training. How much time do you have father? Three and a half years. That's all. Finish the work. He not only finished the work, he brought God glory by the way he did his work and finished his work. So the way we do our work and we finish our work, we bear much fruit and God brings glory. The bearing of fruit In spiritual terms, leave it to God. Because these are spiritual things. I can only preach. And I have to preach what is authentic. I cannot save you. Only God can save you. But if I preach an error, God won't save you. God won't save you. If I preach a lie from here, God won't save you. If I preach the truth, God can save you. God may not save you. Because you choose not to be saved. But my hands are clean. Are you getting the picture? This is how it works. So this morning, glorifying is not a small thing. It's a big thing. Big, big thing. Okay? Big thing. There are there are verses in the Bible. Another words, which strikes. You, know, you have to think about these verses. I think it's Hebrews eleven nineteen, and we will close. These are things that strip, a knife goes through your your heart when you read these verses. Let me see. No, not eleven nine. It's in Hebrews eleven. It's. I'll give it. Just let me give it to you. When you don't let God speak to us. Um, to us when uh, you read your Bible 16 not 1916 okay talking about a whole set of people but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them what what got your mind you know my question to this is Lord will you be ashamed to call yourself my God? There are a set of people God was never ashamed to say, they are my people, I am their God. Will we fit into that category? Where God is acting, some of our children we are not, we are we are ashamed of them. Parents are ashamed of children. Children are ashamed of parents. God says, you know what? There was a set of people in every generation. Not all my people, some people. I was not ashamed to be called their God. I was not ashamed. Everybody says, my God. Angels look at him. God also looks. Some people say, my God. And God says, yeah, I'm your God. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. To so be called your God. Who were those people? They were looking upwards. They lived their lives on earth. With their hearts set on heaven. Their minds on things above. And they knew they had to bring God glory during their life on earth. And they bore much fruit to the Father's glory. Keep that all in mind. Okay? So, we will not escape. Reject we can. Neglect we can. Escape we cannot. Nobody will escape on that. Nobody, none of us will escape. The judgment that we will go through. That's why it is called fire. We will come through the fire. Our life, our works have to be fireproof. What will come on the other side? What will come on the other side? Nothing will escape. Everything will be valued. It will be absolutely just. Absolutely righteous. Absolutely impartial. And absolutely kind. Absolutely kind. God is going to be kind. God is going to be loving when He judges us. When He says somebody take charge of one city, when He tells somebody take charge of ten cities, He's being kind. Because if He had told the one who was supposed to get one city given ten cities, He would have broken down in eternity unable to bear the weight. Because mm. He did not have the character to fit the job. Mm. So God is being kind. God is being merciful. Very kind. Very kind. Okay. And if you read that chapter, the Bible says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Why? That's a, That was the next teaching. I left it for today. But since it's a whole thing, you will do whatever I tell you. We have to come to that point. We will do whatever He tells us. To the father of faith, he told him many things. Then finally he told him, take your son, your only son, offer him as a sacrifice. And he came to the point where he would do whatever God told him. And God said, you are my friend. You are my friend. He says, when you do whatever I tell you, you will no longer be my servant. You will be my friend. Then God whispered in my ears, on that day, you know what is written? It will be written, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. But in between there will be interruptions. I will say, well done, my good and faithful friend, sit with me. Because you did everything. Whatever I told you, you did. There's a difference between a servant and a friend. A friend does whatever God tells him to do. Irrespective of the price And the cost the price is heavy on earth so are the rewards in heaven Okay, so keep all these things in mind so when you go through your trials your sorrows your pain your loss let it be all for the king and the kingdom that's why the bible says if anyone suffers let him not suffer as a murderer or a thief or anything let it for the lord The spirit of glory is resting upon you, because you are bringing glory to God. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, this morning, we just want to thank you, Lord, for every opportunity you give us to serve you. It's our honor. It's our privilege. You taught us today, Lord. Yes, if you want, we can reject that great salvation you offer. Many, many have rejected. Even on the cross when you were dying, one rejected, one accepted. Many can neglect. Even the those who walked with the apostles like Dimas neglected that great salvation. But no one will escape. Teach us. Teach us to abide in you. Teach us to abide in your word. Teach us to abide in your love. Teach us to bring you glory by bearing much fruit. The only way we can bear much fruit is abiding in you. You said if you abide in you, our words by ab- your words abide in us, we will bear much fruit. We want to bear fruit, Lord. We want to bear fruit because we want to glorify you. We don't want to be glorified on earth. We don't care, but we want to bring you glory on earth. Teach us one day at a time to walk with you, Lord. Come in the rest of the day into thy hands. The Q&A in the evening into thy hands. All your people everywhere into thy hands. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through the first 30 days of this 10th month, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory, honor, power, and praise. belongs to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.